Amen to that. Change. Uh, that's why you should be in church today is uh, you want to be changed into the likeness of Christ if you know him. And, uh, and if you don't know him, he, he wants you to, to trade, trade kingdoms. Uh, the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. Uh, and you enter God's kingdom by faith. So we invite you to come to know Christ. But uh, we are here uh, today. Uh, this is our uh, annual uh, Church of the Union kind of address, State of the Church address. Uh, and so we uh, are, by the Constitution, have to pause once a year and I uh, give you an idea of uh, where the church is at, where we're going. So if you uh, are here for the first time this, uh, and you don't know anything about our church, this is the perfect Sunday to be here uh, because we're going to tell you some of the, the big things of what we are about as a church. Uh, if you are uh, looking for expositional, exegetical study, that's next Sunday. Uh, we, we will do that uh, in big time as we get into Romans 15. So, um, And I also still haven't figured out what I'm going to do because there's only 16 chapters in Romans. Uh, and we are... Uh, quickly going to finish it here. Uh, and so uh, be in prayer for uh, what God would have us to do. Uh, if you want me to pick a short book, uh, suggest Obadiah. Uh, if, you, if you want me to do like Isaiah, Revelation. Uh, Revelation is the most requested book uh, for me to do. I just don't know if I could do it in church because it's, I've done it, I've taught it and it, and it, uh, it takes about a year and a half to go through it. Uh, and it is um, very, very detailed. So I don't know if, how I could do that for a sermon because I only have 30 minutes. Unless you want to give me more time on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Just pray about it. But anyway, so be in prayer about where we're going to be going uh, after we finish uh, uh, the book of Romans. I'd appreciate that. Uh, and uh, it, we are also uh, a, fa a family as a church. Even though there's around 2,500 of us on a given Sunday, uh, we're a family. And so we, as a family, need to talk about things. So what is, what is our family doing? And what's our church doing? So that's what today is all about. Uh, and I am glad uh, that you are here. Uh, let's pray before we dive into uh, uh, the condition of our church, where we're going. Let's pray. God, God uh, we thank you that you are a change agent. You can take a sinner, turn them into a saint positionally, and then throughout their lifetime, as they submit and yield to the Spirit, uh, they evidence the fruit of the Spirit, and they change into your likeness. And that's the kind of person we want to be, laying aside the old uh, person we used to be and, and picking up the new garment uh, of Christ and his uh, character might uh, today be part of that change process. And uh, we just submit to you as a church that we would be uh, humble, that we would be meek, full of compassion, uh, but bold in our proclamation of the truth of Christ. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, as I think about our church uh, and where we are, th th this is a large church and it is very complicated how many different ministries are going on, what's going on. Half the time I pull in the parking lot, I don't know why there's cars there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my wife's like, what? why are there so many cars? I came here Friday night to teach my archaeology class. There's a whole bunch of cars, you know, around the youth building. She's like, why are all those people there? Got me. It must be from another church or something. I have no idea. So, uh, so there's always things going on here. So I, I can't summarize everything the church does uh, in all the detail and complexities of the program. But I can give you some kind of the broad strokes of, of where I feel we are as the pastor as we look at a year ahead of us and a year behind us. And so as I think about it, one thing that comes to my mind is the word providence. And the second word that comes to mind is the word positioned. And if you combine them, uh, the way I see this uh, is we are providentially positioned to do even greater things for God in the culture. More than any church I have ever seen, as we're, as we're going to talk about. We all know this is an unusual church in an unusual location. Is it not? We're in a bastion of, well, false worldviews here. 
Uh, and we teach truth here. Uh, and God has blessed the church tremendously over the years. And so the way I see it is uh, we have a unique opportunity to do great things for God. And I want to talk to you about that unique opportunity because I think it's providential. It's not by accident you're sitting here. And it's not by accident you work where you work, married to who you're married to, whatever. God is, is going to use you uh, through our church. Uh, and we want to talk about this morning like how. So what is our providential positioning? Uh, it's, it's four areas. What would a sermon be without points? So four points. Four points of providential positioning. Uh, item number one. Uh, we are, in my estimation, uh, positioned for greater cultural impact uh, as, as a church uh, based on like where we are and who is here. Uh, and so what we are committed to as a church, uh, if you are new, I'll kind of give you the skinny on what we're committed to. Um, as the culture goes off the proverbial cliff when it comes to morality, etc. Sexuality, etc. Uh, they are trying to force their false worldviews on us. Uh, and they're trying to get us to rationalize their behavior as if it's, if it's not sinful. Uh, we're not going to ever embrace that notion. Uh, no matter what is passed. Because we, uh, as a church, stand on the word of God which never changes. So belief systems change. What people believe. They used to believe the earth was flat. That didn't change the truth that the earth was round. And so when it comes to the word of God, since it is the word of God, what it says about all things that it teaches about is always true, even though the culture fluctuates and changes. And so we're not going to be a church that's ever going to walk away from the word of God and what the word of God teaches. Uh, and we're not going to be a church that fears what the culture does. I get lots of people calling me, telling me, emailing me. They're hyperventilating. They're watching the news. They think it's all over, etc. I don't know. I've read the whole book. Amen. What happens at the end? We win. So I'm good. Uh, and so you, you know, when I read what happens and what's going on, it's like, yeah, there's, you know, they're trying to pass all kinds of laws in the state uh, to basically lead to hate speech laws, to shut people down, uh, to speak in truth. I, I see where this trajectory is going. I've got a brain. Um, and it's all done under the concept of tolerance and all the things that they do. Uh, but uh, when I look at all this, where it's going, I just, I, I've read the Bible. I've read Matthew 24. This is the beginning of like the birth pains prior to the coming of the king, king Jesus. And if you've had a baby, I haven't, I can't, I've heard it's painful, is it not? Yes, I, I have. And there's no pain any man could have that would come close to this, correct? Amen. Man, I'm trying to give you an opportunity. But when you think about this, it's like, but, but once you have the baby, is it not worth it? So it's like what we're going through now as a nation, as a culture, it's painful to watch disintegrations of great those sectors of our society. I've watched it degenerate over my lifetime. Uh, but, but prophesied to happen. But this is where I stand. I stand in uh, Matthew 16 verse 18. What Jesus say? In Caesarea of Philippi, at what he called the gate of hell then, and rightly so, Jesus teaching the disciples said unto them, he says in Caesarea of Philippi, I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's not grammatically talking to Peter as the rock. He's talking about himself as the rock. Peter's going to be part of the church and a leader in the church, but he's not the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. He's the massive rock. And so if you go to, uh, with us in about two weeks to Israel, we're going to take you uh, in the first week we're there to Caesarea Philippi. This is where Jesus said this. At Caesarea Philippi, uh, there's a massive rock wall that's red uh, and it goes up about 800 feet. And in that is a giant cave. It's very ominous looking. Uh, and out of the cave used the bubble water. Uh, and the, they believed that was the entrance to the netherworld, the underworld. So they built the temple of Augustus over that particular massive uh, cave open. 
opening. Uh, and they would throw children in there, little babies in there, to sacrifice them to the gods of the water. And if the baby was accepted, it was sucked under, the gods were, were okay and pacified. If the, if, the, if the child was rejected and bubbled back up, they went for another baby. This is the epitome of darkness when you begin to sacrifice your children for sake of worship. So what they did. Uh, this, this place of great evil. Uh, when you go down the ridge line of that rock face and you look at all the niches carved, everywhere there's a niche, there were false gods that built into the entire mountainside. And if you walk along the ridge with us, uh, you're going to find a, what was the remnants of what used to be the temple of the goat gods. This is uh, witchcraft. Uh, and it's all over the place. Uh, this place gives my wife the heebie-jeebies. Uh, I think that's Hebrew for <laughs> ominous and scary. So... Um, She's like, I, I just really don't like going there. It's kind of like you can just feel the evil there. But when you go there, and, and we go there, and we look at what this place used to be uh, when Christ was there, Jesus took the, the, the word of God and the gospel with his 12 disciples to what Jesus called at the time the gate of hell. He said, if any place on the planet is the gate of hell, and, it was, and Satan's not omnipresent, by the way, so he was really there in Jesus' day, right there, deceiving people. Jesus said, this is it. But he's not going to win. Amen. Amen. See, the church wins. See, at the end of the day, righteousness triumphs. Justice triumphs. And so, I, I don't flinch. I'm not going to flinch. The church isn't going to flinch when it comes to evil. We're going to stand for God. I don't know where you're at. That's where I'm at. And that's where the church is at. And God's going to bless that. that. In fact, that's why God has blessed the church. Is because we've been a church that's taught the word of God. So we're committed and we're positioned to make an impact because of uh, uh, our, our commitment to three things. Apologetics, the defense of the faith, uh, study of the word of God, and evangelism. Those three things. We're not going to abrogate our responsibility to any of those. And when you consider who is here, it's a huge responsibility of who's here. Because there's no church like this in the whole U.S., right? There's not. I mean, if you want to find an FBI agent, they're here. Why are you getting all quiet? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, they're not supposed to know. Yeah, they go to church. If you want to find a CIA agent, I know who they are. Because they're here. If you want to find a DIA agent, they're here. If you want to find somebody that works at the White House, they're here. If you want to find an attorney, they're not here. No, they're here. They're here. <laughs> no. We have tons of attorneys here. And they're godly attorneys, are they not? Yeah, great men and women of God. I mean, you just go down the gamut. I mean, it's unbelievable here. You have the... The military here is here with their leadership. Right? So we, uh, hopefully I'll get this right. So the army's here. Yes, okay. All right. Navy. Yeah. What do they say anyway? They don't have a sign? Here. I'm here. <laughs> so Ar Army, Navy. We got the Air Force here? Yeah, yeah, okay. They all have their war cries. Uh, army, Air Force, Navy. Marines are here. I know the Marines are because I've seen some of you. Why are you so quiet? <laughs> you, you're here? Are, are the Marines here? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That's a retired Marine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's over. Yeah. Anyway, we got them here. We got the Coast Guard here. We've had Mer one. Thank you. Praise God. We got the Merchant Marine have been here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we got U.S. Customs officers here, ICE agents. I mean, you know. Bankers, investment brokers, etc. So I look at all that. We have four stars here, three stars here. I mean, you go down the list. They're here. They're here. I look at this and go, wonderful opportunity to impact the culture for Christ. Huge responsibility. Because we talk about it at staff. You don't want to mess that up, right? 
If God entrusted to you talented people, educated people, woven throughout the culture, leaders of leaders, you want to make sure you as a church help them grow up in Christ so they can turn their respective areas to God. Amen. I went out to dinner one, or lunch once with a two-star army general at the Pentagon in the, in the general's dining room, which is actually quite nice. I mean, I should have gone to West Point. I mean, it's, the meals in there are awesome. So I went in there and I was talking to the two-star and having lunch. And they put down the little pewter army plate and all the stuff they do in there. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I just want to let you know, as my pastor, kind of how I operate. He goes, I go to church on Sunday. You preach and teach. And I, you know, I go to Sunday school and everything. I get equipped. And I come to the Pentagon uh, on, on Monday. And I use what God has taught me to impact my troops. Wow. I'm done. Is that not what it's about? That's discipleship. So what do we want to do with those kind of people? We want to use apologetics to train them to speak to the culture. What is apologetics? Apologetics is the defense of the faith. Apologetics does not mean you're saying, I am so sorry, I'm a believer. <laughs> okay? Uh, yeah. Apologia, the Greek word. It means to defend. Uh, uh, Mere Apologetics by Alexander McGrath says this about apologetics. It says, apologetics aims to convert believers into thinkers. And thinkers into believers. It engages our reason, our imagination, our deepest longings. It opens hearts, eyes, and minds. Um, he says that uh, G.K. Chesterton once quipped, the object of opening the mind as in opening the mouth is to shut it again on something solid. <laughs> I love that. Isn't it true? Apologetics celebrates and proclaims the intellectual solidity, the imaginative richness, the spiritual depth of the gospel in ways that connect with our culture. Boy, does it. Because we have the truth and they need the truth. And apologetics tells you how to defend that. So, I mean, so how do I know there's a God? We'll equip you to know how there's a God. How do I know the Bible's the word of God? I mean, how do I know the translation was a good translation from the original? How do I know that? I mean, how did this canon become this canon? I mean, they left out books. Why'd they leave those books out? I mean, what's the pseudepigrapha? What's the apocrypha? Why isn't it part of the, you know what I mean? I mean, the questions go on and on and on and on. I mean, if there's a God and he's loving, why is there evil? I mean, all the questions. We, see, we want to train you so that you know the answers to these things so you can reach such culture. Because there's answers to those questions. And the answers are viable and logical. So we are a church committed to apologetics, which is not about saying you're sorry. It's defending the faith. We want to teach you to think because Christianity is about thinking. We're also a church uh, that's positioned to, to train all those God has entrusted to, to us to, to be all about the word of God. So do I do a lot of topical studies on how, you, how good to feel? How did you feel good? Do I do those self-esteem kind of Bible study things? No. What do we typically do? Well, we, do we exegete like books, right? And we like are in there forever, are we not? So to teach you how to, I mean, feed on the Word of God, learn the Word of God, and then use the Word of God to grow in Christ, and then to then share that gospel. Of what, so we are all about the, about the Word of God. So why are we about the Word of God? Well, in the Word of God are the answers to life. That, that's what we believe. It's the word of God to mankind. So we, we believe Psalm 119, 105, which says this. David says, your word is a, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And if you don't have the word of God, you don't have any light on a very dark path. But when you become a believer and you know what this word is all about, well, you got light for living. So we're a church that believes in that. So that's why we spend so much time in, in Romans. Right? It wasn't that long. Maybe what, two years? Yeah, yeah, two years. Uh, but and as a side note, uh, so we finished Romans, and then I'll turn that Roman study into a book, which would be about 600 pages. But so it takes a while to do that. And, but we, remember when we did Matthew, and we spent three years in Matthew? So I, I have 
I finished the book on Matthew, but it's 1,500 pages. I've been kind of busy, so I haven't had a chance to edit it. So I'm just going to say as a side note, since you, since you as a believer like me are called to serve, I haven't even said what I'm going to say yet. You're so quick here. It's really scary. Follow the trajectory of what I'm talking about. If you have a degree in English, because many of you do, what am I going to ask you? I need some help. God has providentially positioned you to come forward to say, I got time to edit 1,500 pages, piece of cake, right? And then we can use that to advance the body of Christ because we're going to have a bookstore over here in the new building to actually sell books and do all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be awesome. So God, God, maybe we can work your name into the book or something. I'm just saying. Motivation. So we're all about the word of God because we believe it is the thing that, that helps our culture. Uh, I love Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 29 where Jeremiah says this. God speaking. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and it's like a hammer which shatters rock. Boy, isn't that the truth? What does our culture need? It needs the word of God. So we are all about apologetics, defending the word and God. We're all about teaching you the word of God so you can use that to feed yourself and then feed the culture. And then we're all about sharing your faith because if you just learn how to defend the faith and learn the word of God, then you're just a smart sinner. Do you hear me? You're just smart. And then that's pride. And that's sin. So you've got to share your faith. Uh, you don't want to be uh, intellectually snobbish. No, you want to be, hey, I'm just a beggar. And I'm looking for bread. I think I found the bread. And let me show you the bread. And so we want to teach you how, about evangelism, sharing your faith. Because that's what our staff is committed to. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 gives specific directions to churches and leadership. Here's what Paul says about Jesus. It says he gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as, and in the Greek text, this is one word. There's no and in there. Others as pastor teachers. Uh, what's their purpose? What does he say? What's my job? To equip you to do what? Well, to do the work of ministry. Why? Well, to build up the body of Christ. What's the ultimate purpose? Well, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, that we arrive at what? Mature manhood. Spiritual manhood. To the extent and the full stature of Christ. So that we are no, no longer to be infants. Tossed by the waves and swept, swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human trickery. From their cunning and the interest of deceitful scheming. Rather living the truth and love we should grow up in every way into him who is the head Christ. We, we don't want you thrown around by the culture wondering. Well, well, what about this? What about that? This, is, this contradicts the word of God. We need to change the word of God to match the culture etc. No. No. No you stand on the word of God. And we will, we will equip you from little children all the way up to the oldest adult uh, to be positioned to use the word of God to live for God and, and live in a culture that needs God. Secondly, uh, we are positioned uh, to continue financial stability because we've had major financial stability. I have never seen a church like this in my whole life. I've been in church all of my life. I've never been in a church that had no debt. Most Americans have debt, especially if you bought a house here. <laughs> right? Didn't you have a heart attack when you signed on the dotted line? Yeah. I mean, but we're a church that has no debt. When I came here 11 years ago, I think there was 2.2 million in debt uh, from the student odd building. You know, when I, when I got here. Uh, and, and the church grew and flourished when I first got here. God blessed it. Uh, our numbers went from like 550 to 650 to 850 to 950. I mean, the church started growing. And with that growth came generous giving. So next thing you know, Boom, paid off the $2.2 million in debt. But the church continued to grow. And as the church began to grow and to flourish, uh, we looked around and said, we've got to do some things to house everybody. So we're going to have a 
cruise down memory lane for just a minute. This is for the new people. If you're new, this is for you. For the other people, it's to help you remember as the brain cells have died, what happened? Okay? So what happened as the church began to grow and flourish? Double, triple in size, etc. What, what did we do? So we, 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 we came up with a theme. And we kept saying as leadership, like, we got to have some kind of theme to do all the building things that we need to do. And now we need to build a sanctuary to house everybody and the, and the large staff that we have now. We, we need a theme. So we were talking about it uh, forever. And we had, were in a big meeting. Uh, and they were saying, well, hey, all we're doing is following God's lead. I mean, surely we could come up with a theme. And then somebody's like, that's the theme. <laughs> There's so, the people here are so intellectual. It's like, that's it. Uh, following God's lead. So we're saying, following God's lead. Which way he goes, we go. And so he blessed us. And so we said, we'll, we'll launch our giving program to build this new sanctuary. Uh, to house all the people God has brought here to worship him and learn about him. But that's what we'll call it. But then how do we market it? I could think of no better analogy than baseball. <laughs> Remember? You don't sound excited. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk about the Dodgers. We're going to talk about the Nationals in just a minute. So hang with me. Because I got so much flack from talking about the Dodgers the other day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Uh, so what do we do? So we launched a baseball motif to, uh, to say to you, we wanted to raise $9 million for the new building. We were debt free, remember? We want to raise $9 million on an $18 million building. That will put us in a position to have a payment on the building, which we could totally do based on our budget. Totally conservative. So $9 million. So we, we launched and we had different things. So we started out with, you got to get in the game. Remember this? You got to get in the game. And so we challenged people to get in the game and they did. And they started giving in a tremendous way. In a generous way. They would leave because 20% of our church leaves every year because the government or the military move them. I got to stop that somehow, but they move. <laughs> I mean, they're leaving, they're moving, except yes. And they continue to give to the church. Why? They believe in the vision of the church. Continue to give. I mean, like 98% level. Unheard of. And, and so the money came in to build the building, uh, but we were getting close to our goal of 9 million. So we had another giving goal. It was baseball. Batter up. I mean, are you at the plate? Are you stepping into the box? Are you getting ready to drive the ball? Are you getting ready to hit the ball? And we were talking about financial giving to God. And so uh, others stepped up to the plate and said, yeah, I want to be part of the team, etc." So then that went really well. And then we had another one as we're closing in on the 9 million called, remember this? Heading for home. Man, I just drilled that ball. I'm running, running around second. I'm going to third. The coach is waving me on. I'm going for it. I'm heading home. Why? We're almost at the 9 million. I'm here today to tell you that we're almost at the $12 million level. Amen. That's unbelievable. So you're in the dugout right now, the dugout. What happens when something up and I've been, hey, I grew up playing baseball in dugouts, literal dugouts under the ground, remember? And your eyeball, eyeballs are at ground level watching the team through the cage. The coach is telling you, don't put your fingers through the wire. You can lose your fingers, all that stuff. You know, so what happens when somebody like really drills the ball? Everybody on the bench is like, well, that's great for Larry, man. But, you know, I, didn't, I need a hit. No, no, man. They go crazy in there. Don't they? So think about that. So the fact that we've blown by the 9 million, we're at the 12 million, we're right, right at the 12 million. This is amazing. So let's pretend I'm the coach. I know it's hard. I'm the coach. And I'm just here to tell you today, way to go, team. That's amazing. Generosity, amazing. But, but we're not done. So now what? So now what do we do? Well, the way I look at it is, and I've learned this from the military. There's a delta. I'm like, there's a river? <laughs> I'm sitting in meetings. What are these guys talking about? Uh, and I've learned the language. And so, okay, there's a delta between 12 million and 18 million, right? The delta? Am I right? 
So in light of that, I want to submit to you Howie Kendrick. You know, I'm, I'm tapping into your world here. You should be totally excited. So what did Howie do? Well, because Howie stepped up to the plate, he hits an outside cutting fastball on the, on the, on the outside corner of the plate. He's right-handed. And he steps in at a key time in game seven when they're down two to one. What do you do? We're toast. We're losing. It's over. Can't win the World Series. I mean, did he do that? No. He stepped in and went, I'm going for this, baby. And so I'm going to look at the spiritual value of what he did. Baseball is spiritual. Uh, in, the, in the seventh game of the World Series that sent the team in a whole, new, a whole new direction. And then relate this to a spiritual motif. So can you hang with me through this video? Plus it's baseball. What could be better? He praised God right there, didn't he? Do you know how hard it is, his, is to hit an outside cutting fastball to the opposite field, 336 yards? No, you don't. Okay, but it is hard. It's hard. Now, what's that got to do with spirituality? Everything. Think, think about this from a financial perspective. So we've had all these other baseball motifs, but since there's a delta between 12 million and 18 million, I've been thinking about, uh, like, what would we call another giving motif if we went for the baseball thing? So when Darren was here, for one year, we kicked around this idea. And as creative as Darren and I are, uh, and were, because uh, he's now moved on me, it's like, are you kidding? I talked to him last night for quite a while uh, when I was going to bed. The phone rang. It's Darren, you know. And um, so we kicked this around. It's like, what would the next giving motif be? Well, um, the best we could do is, is uh, well, we would call it uh, extra innings. Did not sit well. You know what I'm saying? It didn't pop. Because what's that connote? It connotes we're tied. Nah, we don't want to do that because we're, I mean, we're financially, God has blessed us. We're moving out. It can't be that. So for one year, Darren and I bantered this around. We never came up with anything. And then this week, I was watching that video with Howie. 
And I was watching them hit it and out of the park. And as it's leaving the park, I'm saying to myself, to the computer screen, do you talk to yours during the game? <laughs> I was. I was watching it go out of the park, and I'm going, man, that thing's going, going, gone. That's the name of the new motif. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I'm going, gone. What's gone? The debt. See, here's my challenge to you. Uh, I don't know where you're at or if you're new and you haven't given or if you've given, you want to give more. Uh, think about what God's telling you. He's telling you the delta between those two points, 12 million, 18 million. We are so close to being debt free again. It's shocking. So I'm going to challenge you to be thinking about your, you are now Howie. So whoever you're sitting by, just look at him and go, you're Howie. You're Howie. You're, you're. See, no one's going to do it. It's like, no way. But you're Howie, right? How are you Howie? You're stepping up to the plate at a critical time, and God's calling you to do what? Well, do something awesome with your bat. But Lord, it's hard to hit to the opposite field financially. Nah, you can do it. You can do it because you're doing it for the team. See, I, would, I, I think God's going to use us in a great way because we're already 3 million past our goal. That's shocking. Anyway, God's using us greatly. So the next year is about going, going, gone. So whenever you see it, you know what it's about, right? Uh, next, uh, two, two short points I'll close with. Uh, we are positioned to get people academically trained, professionally so. We train you here academically to think, but Dallas Seminary is moving here. Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, my alma mater is moving here. They're going to uh, uh, build uh, 4,500 square feet in our basement is going to be the school's headquarters because we don't need the 11,000 square feet. And so I've talked to Dr. Bailey a couple of years ago, the president. I met with the new president, Dr. Yarborough, last year in Dallas. Said, if you guys are ever thinking about moving to the, uh, your campus to the East Coast where we are, we're strategically located. We're right by freeway systems. We've got a ton of people who, 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 who are already going to school. Uh, and they, they might want to come to school. Uh, if you ever want to move here, hey, we could probably work this out. So that's what we've been working on for, I don't know, two years. They're, they're coming here. Uh, and they're going to be using uh, some of our classrooms as classroom space to give people the opportunity to get degrees and get educated. We've already got a lot of our staff has already gone there. We've already people there now on our staff or former staff or students there. So you can get a master's degree, a two years master's degree in biblical studies or a two year master's degree in, 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 uh, in, uh, in uh, counseling, etc. And if you get the master's degree in theological studies, you get all the great classes that I got in four years, but you don't have the last two years of Hebrew and Greek. What? <laughs> Could be better. I'm just saying. But if you want to go for the four year master's degree like Alex Zaccaroli did, who's on our staff now, go for it. And if you need help with Hebrew and Greek, we'll be here to help you. Because that, that was my major. So we, we will help you. But they're coming here. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Dr. Orr is going to be here. Their staff's going to be here. Uh, you might even be able to audit classes just as a layperson to take classes on a given subject to enhance your ability. Imagine what this will do to transform the church. I mean, it is so exciting. So if you want to go back to school, you just have to come to church and, and then start taking classes. It's awesome. They're going to be here. And then lastly, we're positioned, uh, in my estimation, uh, we're kind of an accident waiting to happen, but to ramp up our media and technology to a level unseen. Because we have an online community and people all around the world uh, who watch the ministry, but not to the level of what we need to do. In the new sanctuary, uh, when you walk in through the main doors, to your left is a giant window and uh, a piece of glass. And you can look in and see when you get here. There's going to be a whole bunch of people in this room with computers. And the question is going to be, what are they doing? They're going to be the people who are shepherding our online community. But we don't have them yet. We have the room. And we have an online program. But not to the magnitude of what it needs to be. And so when you're looking for a place to serve, God, here I am. 
because we're going we're gonna to be getting a, uh, something along the lines of what uh, Craig Rochelle does uh, in Oklahoma uh, with Life Church. Uh, I think I have a, 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 a graphic of what they do. If we could see the graph, that, that thing. They, they have a graphic of what they do online for their online church. Uh, and, and on this thing, they can tap into a, a chat room, for, uh, people online, private chat room, group, group chat room. People can take notes, look at the schedule, uh, dig into the Bible, uh, contact people privately that are uh, trained to shepherd them, pr prayer needs, etc. You build shepherding to an online community of thousands of people. And God can use you. Now, I know from studying uh, two years ago, millennials... What are they looking for? Like, that's what they're looking for. I can tell you what they're looking for. They're looking to be plugged into something that, that makes a difference in life. Well, what better thing could you do as a, as a young millennial or as a Generation Z person between 18 to 24 years old than to be used of God to impact people around the world for God? So if that's you, then we're going to give you opportunity uh, within the next year to talk to us and we'll plug you in. Uh, there's other things that we can do uh, electronically, technically. Andy Stanley. I went to school with Andy Stanley at Dallas Seminary. He's at North Point Church in, uh, in uh, Georgia. Uh, his church is really good with Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Three things I don't know anything about. In fact, I'll tell you this story. It's kind of embarrassing. But at Christmas, my daughter was here. She's super techno. So is her husband. And she said, Dad, we're sitting on the couch one night. She said, you, you need an Instagram account. What's that? Well, you need one. So she set one out for me. Well, I haven't looked at it since Christmas. <laughs> and so I got on it the other night, this week, and I got on it, and I'm like, whoa! So I told my wife, hey, Liz, man, look at this. There is just people, person after person after person, person. I don't even know these people. Who are these people? Uh, all these people that are on my Instagram account, I haven't even posted anything. I'm really with it, am I not? I told you it's embarrassing. But see, Andy Stanley's got whole teams of people that run the church's Instagram account, run their uh, YouTube channel, run their Twitter account, uh, run their Facebook account. I mean, run all this stuff. And everything in their ministry is woven into there to reach people all over the place. Do you know how many people that takes to do that effectively? More than we have on staff. So again, I don't know what you're doing. But I think God has an open door for you because there's much more that our church can be doing. Uh, because you go around and, and study what other churches are doing uh, and, and the sky is like the limit. Saddleback Church in, in Los Angeles. I've studied them many times, being from uh, California. I've gone down there and studied what they do. Uh, and it's like eating a fish. There's bones and there's meat. So, no, I'm, I'm not for that, but, well, oh, that's awesome. And so what do they do? They're really good at... Uh, projecting life change stories of their church. We have a lot of life change that goes on here. We just don't project it like we should. Because if you project life change, it gives people hope. And so we need to project more life change stories. And that's what they do well. They also have a great projection of their children's ministry. We have a wonderful children's ministry here. I mean, with, I don't know, 500 children in it. Wonderful team with Tammy uh, and her team. But we need to repackage their team to where if you go online uh, with this kind of program, you click on any one of those boxes and it brings you up their, their staff introducing you to Bible lessons built for online to teach children who are not even at your church. It's awesome. I haven't told the children's ministry about this yet, so <laughs> don't let them know, okay? Anyway, I submit these things to you because all of these tell me as a pastor we're positioned to do these greater things. It's just going to take people who understand technology, marketing, who actually know what an Instagram page is actually for other than the pastor. You can pray for him. Uh, but how can we use these things for God? Uh, we're going to need you. I close with a story uh, from an online person. Uh, somebody, I don't even know who they are, uh, contacted me 
uh, and uh, I wound up talking to a, a university student. And this university student uh, was going back to school uh, after Christmas, and uh, through the online program, uh, this agnostic wanted to talk to me. And so he came in, a young guy, probably around 20, and we had a conversation uh, before he went back to school. And I said, hey, you know, you came in through the online program, like, uh, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he goes, well, I don't believe in God at all. In fact, I don't think there's any evidence for God, and it's no big deal to me. Uh, and he said, I just want to know, percentage-wise, uh, is your faith, 100, your faith in God, is it 100% faith, or are there any facts in there? Like, percentage-wise. And I said, I don't know. It's probably 10% faith, and then probably 90% facts. He's like, you're kidding me. He goes, I'm an engineer. I'm, I mean, I, I'm a systems thinker. I'm a thinker. And you're telling me it's, it's 90% factual information, 10% faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes, could you give me the facts? <laughs> I don't know, let me think about it. <laughs> no, I'm like, sure, yeah, you know. Remember, I'm just a beggar. I think I found the bread. Here's the evidence of the bread. You know, ontologically, the bread's really there. And so we had a, we had a conversation. Uh, did he trust Christ? No. But what was I doing? I just put a rock in his shoe. So when he's sitting in his next engineering class thinking, whoa, there is evidence for God. He, he told me, he said, none of, my, none of my friends that I know that are Christians believe in God. They are, believe in God. They, they just believe it's all faith. No facts. I told him, dude, you're hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> Those Christians need to be telling you there's reasons for their faith. And then he, then he left and after I prayed for him, that was fun. Mm -hmm. They never stop you for praying for him. Mm -hmm. After I prayed for him, uh, it, was an, it was an awesome time, but I'm thinking to myself when he left, how many young guys like that are out there? Mm -hmm. Students young people, that they're inquisitive and want to know, well, they need believers equipped to train them, to lead them to Christ. That's going to be you. That is you. That's our church. Let's pray. God, uh, wonderful opportunities uh, in our, at our disposal. Might we utilize those opportunities, maximize them to your glory, uh, to grow the saints and lead people into the kingdom of Christ. Uh, you've positioned us in a providential way to do much for you. Might we not get lazy, get our eye off the ball, become fearful, but be bold in creation, courageous, compassionate, uh, and, and do much for you uh, to push back the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon when, when you get there. <laughs>